Uh, what is up, everybody? It's time for another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox and the Top 20. How's everybody doing today? Just to be perfectly upfront and transparent, unlike many people in our government, uh, I am recording with two cameras today because I've had such technical issues. I want to make sure I at least get something I can use because it has been quite a problem lately. Would be putting it bluntly, yeah. <laughs> that being said, we also have some breaking news courtesy of the chat. I certainly don't want to disparage anybody, but I do want to point out that our very own Giovanna has been approved as a DoorDash driver, which... I helped that woman find her own keys in a parking lot that she dropped once. I don't know what the hell is going to happen <laughs> to all those orders, but... I gotta tell you, the whole culture of DoorDash and Uber Eats is just so foreign and so un... Something I just don't understand to me. Like, I, I, full disclosure, I have never door dashed or Uber Eats, but also I've never Ubered anywhere. I've never even been on a subway, and I live outside New York City. Now, that last one is more just because I've never had the need to. In fact, I'm going to make Corey, my middle child, uh, basically take me on the subway one time so I can see how it works before I'm just too old to even care. Which, might honestly be tomorrow. It might even be later today at the rate I'm going. But, like, let's just talk about that for a second. Like, and again, I'm not looking to be disparaging at all, but, like, most people listening to the sound of my voice right now probably know who Giovanna is, right? Like, if, well, hold on. If, because if you don't remember, like, maybe we can work on this. Hang on, hang on one second. Uh, hang on. Working on it. Damn it. Uh, no. Where is it? Oh, yeah. This is Giovanna. Hi, guys. This is Giovanna Altube from Tales of a Songbird, and you are listening to the Hard Rock Lunchbox on 99WRR.com. Now, to the untrained ear, that might sound fine. <laughs> but she got the name of the radio station wrong. And now she's going to be bringing you your food order. I don't mean to mock. I don't mean to mock. Fortunately, she's not door dashing here. Although, I bet you, I bet you if we all got together and ordered like, well, she's in Maryland now. So if we all ordered like crab cakes, we could probably. <laughs> I am not a member of the door dash culture. In fact, the last time I was at 7-Eleven and a door dash driver was in there, it was hysterical because somebody door dashed a Slurpee from 7-Eleven, which I realize is fine. Like, if a lot of people have more money than time, I am not one of them, so I, I can't do that. Uh, but a lot of people do, and they door dashed a Slurpee, and the poor dude at 7 Eleven, who's there like all the time, uh, like, I really I have like two regular 7 Elevens, and I really like that they're it's all the same people. Um, because, like, I know them, they know me, it's cool. Um, but yeah, the Slurpee that the person had door dashed wasn't working. You know, Slurpees kind of run out. All the way, by the way, this wasn't all that long ago. It wasn't even like the middle of August. Um, but the poor woman that was door dashing, the, the door dash driver had to call the person and be like, yeah, man, listen, they don't have cherry or whatever. And then they decided to go with Coca-Cola, which honestly, I feel like I could have figured out on my own, but that's, you know, that's just me. Um, 
yeah, I just, I cannot, like, I'm fine with pizza delivery, and I'm fine with Chinese food delivery. And I feel like, because the, they're in-house, like, they're vetted by the company, right? So, like, when I order from Top One Chinese, like, that's one of the dudes that works there. Like, he's probably related to them, because I think it's family-owned. So, like, he's got a vested interest in actually doing a good job. When you're door dashing something from, like... McDonald's, I guess, or you know, maybe even Chipotle. Chipotle is a little harder, but you can't tell me like somebody door dashing from McDonald's might not just take a fry or a chicken nugget. Like I don't know how it works, but like people have been pinching food out of food deliveries since you know you used to send your kid to go get it. In fact, there was a time, and I've spoken about this before, and I it I do it does come across as kind of amusing, but it's it's actually really sad and pathetic, which is fine because. That's what we do here on the show. <laughs> but I used to suffer from what I like to categorize as a caramel macchiato uh, addiction. It was really so bad that when I used to drive up to Starbucks back when there was only one in my immediate town, there are now three, maybe four if you count the one over by Costco, uh, five if you count the one up by the high school now. So back when there was one, do you guys remember that? When it was like a one Starbucks town? Like these start like a one horse town? Like one Starbucks town. Back in the day when I used to go, I used to pick up a couple of car- caramel macchiatos and I would get an extra one for my drive home. Now, I am not admitting to being a nicotine user or a cocaine user or another drug user, uh, but of the addictive... Uh, elements available to me and my many, many years in the rock star community, I will tell you one of the hardest addictions I've ever had to kick was the uh, macchiato in a caramel macchiato. I don't know what's in it exactly, but man, I plead the fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth. (laughs) That doesn't make it into a bumper. I don't even know why. What what are the troops you can fight? So, uh, I got some basic housekeeping for you because I know you guys aren't doing the housekeeping because you're basically lame, and that's why you guys aren't getting an allowance. Um, uh, there's a brand new Top 20 out. I'd appreciate it if you view it, like it, share it, subscribe to it, do whatever else it is people do to stuff on YouTube. I'm still working on getting on there. I was on there a couple weeks ago to answer some comments. Felt really good to finally do that. I'm so sorry. I just I keep running out of time to do basic stuff like that. Like I gotta tell you, like I I run out of time in my day to do the Wordle and the Worldle. By the way, if you don't do the Worldle, like what are you even doing? Um, but yeah, sometimes I run out of time, and it's like you haven't lived until you get that like pathetic kind of stare down from your 16 year old white daughter. Like you don't even have time for the Wordle. Like why even get up? Anyway, so I don't even have time for that. So a lot of times I don't have time for the comments. But there is a brand new one up there. It's the uh, DJ Doesn't Really Care episode, which arguably could be all of them. But, like, it happens to be this one specifically. And it was the one where I was having Control-Alt-Delete problems. Or I was trying to solve all my problems with Control-Alt-Delete. By the way, yo, like, seriously, like, wouldn't a nice Control-Alt-Delete be great, like, in real life? Like, yo, my God, like, man, this Tuesday sucks. Control-Alt-Delete. And you just kind of, like, restart it? Like, ugh. I feel like a lot of us wouldn't get anything done if that were the case. And I don't necessarily know that that's the worst thing, but that's just, it's a pretty good episode. If you're interested on what's been going on, I completely wiped out all of my uh, Logitech stuff on my new laptop. And I reinstalled um, 
all of it. Uh, and it seems to be doing good. Like, it doesn't seem to be any crackly or jumpy stuff. But there was a lot I could not use last week because it kept just crashing and stuff like that. It also might have been possible that my antivirus was being a bit of a dick. And so I removed that, too. Please do not send me your viruses. Also, I don't use this computer on the internet. Strictly for this, but strictly for recording. The miracle and magic that is Rebel Knives. Be sure to check that out. Uh, Chris Waterbury also has his new uh, My Five out. It's about Nintendo games. I have to check that out. I just haven't had a chance to do that. You want to talk about lists of priorities, man. That is well above most things, and I still haven't gotten to that. Mainly because I suck, and I'm also horrible, horrible at scheduling. It is just unbelievable how bad, like, how bad I was at scheduling and how much worse I have now gotten at scheduling. I mean, it's just like, man, I didn't think there was, could go any lower. It's like, oh, look, whole other, whole other subfloor, whole other basement for me to, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, StrangerHood TV, check that out. There's always some more, uh, bacon is my podcast stuff. Don't forget the Bimpies are coming up for, uh, 2000. I guess it's 2022, even though it's going to be in 2023. I'm not exactly sure how they bill it. It doesn't much matter to me because as far as I'm concerned, I was a winner in the first Bimpies and therefore that's the Bimpies. Like everything else is like a Bimpy facsimile to use a word from like the 60s. So does it really matter? I mean, like who watches like Survivor 13? Nobody. Right. But we all know who won Survivor 1, and that was me, right? Because I am, I'm the best. Which is a song we should play with. Probably. And yeah, Annie Stoic will argue that she also won a Bimpy, but like, I think she was like best guest. Like, what are you, you going to do to be best guest? Like, not shit on the floor? Like, my cat does that. Best seven questions? I don't need to, uh... I don't need to drop any names, but I certainly can point out that I have a Bimpy. The Bimpy. Just remember that. And that couple moments has been brought to you by Bacon is My Podcast, not a sponsor. Uh, but keep an eye out for that and, of course, everything else. All the other nonsense on Stranger TV will do you good. Um, I was going to talk about... No, you know what? I am going to talk about... Damn it, I am going to talk about it. I want to talk about how good the show was on a Friday night uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I thought all the bands were really good. Like, as dumb as that sounds, like, that's an important part of putting on a good show, right? Music is important. I thought all the bands were, like, really on point. Uh, I like Mikey's uh, back and forth on his his song and story of the year. Like, I always like when he does that. It's funny, too, because I've been tempted to do that. Uh, our thing tends to be to go from one song into another and then back into the song and like call it quits and stuff like that or just a straight out medley but then constantly going back and forth uh, Mikey did that with something one of his songs and Quiet Mind like a couple years ago and I was like oh that's cool so he did it again with uh, Story of the Year uh, which I thought was cool but as often as I've considered doing that I realized that that's Mikey's thing and Mikey does it the best so Mikey shall continue to do it forever or until such time as his beard and long ass hair, I might add, take over his entire body. And I assume he becomes an Ewok? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't asked Mike his pronouns, but uh, I assume it's him, his Ewok. But I don't know. I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, all the bands were really good. Uh, I had said from the stage at one point it was my first time seeing a Farewell Fire because really of the way. Uh, the circles kind of worked around here early on. I mean, a feral fire took, I think,
think nine years off or something like that, which uh, put me fairly deep into the early Rebel 9, but mid G Davy days. And uh, I've talked about how I never played with like Sick as Monday or, or FFR because they were always playing together. And generally speaking, the joke kind of was Sick as Monday played on a Friday, uh, G Davy would play on a Saturday vice versa and stuff like that. So Pharaoh of Fire was kind of in that mix, which is why I didn't know any of those guys at first, which is, was always funny, like when Maddie uh, joined Rebel 9, because Matt did know all those guys. And it was just like, oh, hey, your friends are cool. I mean, pretty cool. Let's not, let's not get it. Um, but it was actually really nice. I had a lot of good conversations. I actually got to finish very few conversations because there was a lot going on. And as much as I really really do not like to spend any time talking before I perform. I, I was doing it because I'm just not out all that much. So, like, these are one of those opportunities for me to actually see people and talk to them and stuff like that. Like, I know I was actually talking to Eddie for quite a bit about, like, kind of like, what the hell are we going to do, like, going forward, like, show-wise? And we're, you know, talking about some stuff that I had talked to his dad about and stuff that he was telling me his dad is working on. But, like, we even had, like, a chat going um, for the show we were talking about more shows going forward, and it was like, well, how exactly are we going to do this? Like, what do we want to do? What do we want to do? Like, what actually makes the most sense? And, um, you know, it's it's really kept me thinking, because, like, I've had a couple of plans going into 2023, and I honestly, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm so overscheduled and so, like, under-motivated with so much stuff, as I've been kind of saying throughout the year, it's hard for me to get anything done. Uh, usually what ends up happening is I feel like a high on a post show like this and I do something stupid like book four shows and then future me who honestly has to bear the brunt of pretty much anything current me ever does will have to deal with it then like and that's probably what's going to end up happening I am going to be waiting like on our our recording schedule to make sure we're kind of free and clear some of that stuff and I'll probably just book a bunch of shows at a couple of different venues and then I think my current plan is to open it up to all the bands that I want to play with which of course would be pretty strange something heavy heavy uh, Jack Knife Stiletto if they're still interested a Farewell Fire slash I Ignite whatever camp is available on whatever time uh, I want to get Pathmaker back in the mix uh, Neon Skyline uh, all new episode like these like all these bands that like We've been kind of working to play with um, Born of Scars. Uh, I talked to Pete not too long ago. He was totally down with stuff like that. So I want to open up some of those shows to play with some of these bands. Not necessarily because like I'm trying to build like the perfect show because I'm not really interested in that. But I am interested in building a great show with bands that I don't get to play with all that often because I like to play with them. Like I'm not I'm not looking to fan grab or anything like that. And that was like one of the more interesting parts of this particular show. Um, like, like the, so, okay, so as far as Beeries goes, like, there's, I have my own personal reasons that I haven't booked shows there before. Uh, people that know, know, and that's fine. I don't feel like sharing it now, and that's cool, too. Uh, but it seemed prudent to do it. Uh, I originally tried to book this show at Nostalgia, but Nostalgia isn't big enough to hold these bands, nor to support the audio needs of all these bands. Um, that's big technical speak and you don't need to know the whys of that either just know that that is indeed the case um so the thing with beer is first of all it's super central it's super simple um the staging isn't great and the staging is a constant problem across any band with more than three people it just is Uh, i don't exactly know what to do with it um i've seriously considered just 
literally hiring Tony, like, flat out to just build, like, a little addition to the stage that we just bring with us just to make the optics look a little bit better. I don't know. It, it's going to depend on how many more shows we play there. The staging is great, but the sound is, and the bar is, and the parking lot is. Like, all these things are great. And, you know, even though they take a, they take a fair percentage of, of the money from, from the shows, which, which isn't great, but at least it ups their diligence in collecting, which is great, right? So when we played other places that are kind of like a little bit lax, or where we get the full door, they're not necessarily motivated to, to watch the door. That's kind of a problem. I'd, I'd almost rather have them on the hook for it. And I think everybody that went there saw, like, there was a dedicated sound guy that was, like, in the room and on the sound the whole time. There was somebody who was taking tickets and giving out wristbands on the door the whole time and checking. That that checking, like, people that have come in, like, the back is not something that other people do. And I feel like that's a valuable service. It probably netted us a few more people uh, 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 in terms of dollars at the door than it would have normally. So I feel like that cost is worth the cost of doing business. Plus, and here's a big one for me, none of the bands had to sell tickets. It was literally word of mouth, show up day of. Now, that might cost us some money because there's always people that we sell tickets to that don't show up and we end up pocketing that money and that's great too, but it's also not something we necessarily want to do. I'd rather people come to the shows and come to the shows when they can. And the obligation is tough because if you have a ticket in your hand, you're much more likely to go. I get all that. But in terms of the actual ease for the bands to just be like, we're going to be here. Why don't you be here as well? Super important to me. It really, really is to me. And I don't know if that's true for all bands, but certainly in my incredibly advanced age and after 40 years, basically, of feeling feeling like I'm selling tickets since the day I was like born. It's like, popped out. I'd be like, hey, man, who wants to come to my first show? Probably not all that far but also it's just such a chill experience, right? Like I don't I don't think anybody had a bad time that I saw. Like it was it was fun and I definitely want to thank the the number of people that literally not literally that actually stayed late and stayed for our entire set. I was not fully expecting that. I, I really thought it was just gonna be our core group and it was gonna be super simple, but like that bar was hopping almost the entire time. And and it's funny too because you run this you have this you have this issue right and and jimmy and i have talked about this for years where we build like this good show like where bands are that people want to see pretty much all the bands or at least most of the bands across the night what happens is you actually get a lower draw right because you're 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 attracting people that are fans of the bands and and generally like if you're a fan of one you're at least a partial fan of the other which is great uh, but it's really great for the fan, right? So if you're paying ten bucks to get into a show and you like four bands, you're paying two fifty a band. Like that's slightly cheaper than what it costs to see Taylor Swift. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think that's the case. That's a huge deal. It's not such a great deal for the bands because now the bands, especially when the way we do it, we take in all the money and then we just divide it up. Um, like I'm always aware of roughly like who's drawing what and stuff because I do appreciate like the, some of the effort. And honestly, if I ever put a band, if I ever put a show like that together and a band draws nobody, that's going to be a conversation because I think at that point, like if you're not even trying, like I don't, I don't. It's not because it's not about putting asses in seats, but it's about being part of the experience and making the show better if you're not going to work to do that. To date, I've never had that problem. 
ever. Everybody's always drawn at least a little bit, and that's all I could really ask for. Um, and it's great, and and that results in us having this like really long show that people are there for like four, five, or six hours, which is always really good for the bar too, right? Because people are in for the night, so they drink a little bit, you know, and all that. Uh, and I did talk to uh, the dude that booked, helped us book the show, and he said, yeah, man, it was it was a good night for sure. So I'm guessing the bar turned a profit, which is which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, so, and because of all that, I was able to pay all the bands. It's not a big deal, but honestly, you know, kind of just opening up your Venmo and having money for something that you love doing anyway is not, not too shabby. And considering the, the sheer lack of effort it takes to, to move people into those shows, I think it's pretty good. Like, yeah, could we have made more selling tickets to like... Mulcahy's for a big name event. Yeah, we could have made more. It also would have taken way much more effort. And I am not at all interested. Um, I was going to say something else about people. Saying, uh, I don't really know what I want to do going forward. Going to pick a bunch of shows. Probably do that. Um, Yeah, I don't really remember what else. Sure, there was something, but uh, chances are, if I was thinking it or saying it, how important could it actually be? Right? <laughs> well, if it comes back to me, it comes back to me. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. But thank you, everybody that showed up, and thank you, everybody that tried to show up to the show on Friday. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. I know I did for sure. Uh, and again, uh, I'm already in talks with uh, Beeries to put on a couple more shows there, and I will pull it out to the bands to see who's available. I'm probably going to do one or two. At the, oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. I can Oh, we're out of time. I'm kidding. That has never stopped me before. It's not going to stop me now. So the uh, one, the thing I was actually talking to Eddie from Ignite and the Farewell Fire about is this, and it made its way into the group chat is this concept of do we continue to try and play smaller places that are not so super band friendly, um, like uh, Village Pub or or Beeries? Uh, I'm not going to play at Rams. I don't even know if Rams is open anymore. I don't think I'm going to play Shakers because it's in Oakdale and it looks awful. Uh, but also, it's just it's a little too far from my band to go. I mean, my band is based in Long Beach, so like even when we play in like Patchogue and stuff, like that's a 90 minute run for them. It's quicker for us to go to Jersey. So I don't know that Shakers is on the table, but basically all I really got here in Mid-Island is uh, the Village Pub South in Lindenhurst and Mr. Beery's, which are fine. They're, they're this category of, I want to say dive, it's not quite dive. And, and of course, Amityville Music Hall, which I'm not playing, I'm not even stepping foot in until the twat that manages that place is fired or disappears. That would be fine with me. Uh Ignite's not playing there. Craving Strange isn't playing there. Uh, Neon Skyline isn't playing there. Something Heavy isn't playing there. So don't expect us ever to go to Amityville Music Hall for a show with any of our bands. Like, I, I would rather the place close, and I am a big proponent of venues. Uh, but I'd rather I'd rather that place close um, if they're going to keep her in management. And I keep warning all the bands I know. I know Devoted Fusion is going to be playing there soon. And I was like, man, good luck with that. Uh, but anyway, so... The question is, like, do we keep building up these dive situations that are less than optimal for bands, which I think is a good idea, or do we push into some of the bigger venues, something like the Warehouse or 89 North? The only way to get into a place like that is to play a non-weekend night, unless there's some special occasion. 
And I'm starting to wonder if that is something that people would be interested even in going to. I know when we used to do them plugs, it was a Tuesday night, everybody was out by 11. People seemed pretty happy about that. But those are acoustic nights. They're super chill, super easy. But if I put on a rock show with three bands running from like 7.30 to 11, like, is that something people would want to do? Or 8 to 11 with an opener or something like that? Is that something people would be interested in? Because that's the other thing we can do. Right? We can keep building up these dives and have our Friday and Saturday night shows and everyone can just drink too much and sleep in late the next day. That's fine. Or we go to the warehouse, like on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. We have a full-on rock show on a much bigger stage. Do you think people would be interested in doing that? I don't. But also, I'm not the person that I'm trying to make go to these shows. So if you have a thought on that, like definitely join the conversation here, uh, 99WNRR. Uh, com, or you can go to hardrocklunchbox.com. It'll bring you right to the site. You can join the chat because I'm super interested. Like, that's a legit question I have for people that actually go to shows. Is that something you'd be willing to do? And if you, you know, are listening to this afterwards on the podcast or whatever, like, by all means, like, message me, hardrocklunchbox uh, at gmail.com because I would love to hear what you thought. Or band at rebel9.com. That's fine, too, because I... I want to know the answer to that because I have a feeling that people are not going to flock out to see like a big rock show like on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. But maybe once in a while, maybe. I mean, they certainly used to for you know Thanksgiving Eve, but it's kind of a different thing. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. In the meantime, let's get you some thinking music, shall we? 